Amen, amen. If it wasn't for the lighthouse, boy, I'll tell you what, the choir sings, he's the master of the sea, he rides with me. Then the quartet sings that he's the lighthouse. You know what, aren't you glad that you serve a God that can be your marker that you're driving towards and at the same time be riding with you directing the ship? You know, it tells me that if we just would quit trying on our own and just give it to him, he'd take us all the way home. Amen, amen. Thank you all, appreciate that. Good singing this morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, let's have special prayer for Brother Warren. Our Father Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we have a group of believers and that, Lord, we can come together Lord, I know that we have our schedules and we have our programs that we tend to follow, but Father, I thank you that we can, we can halt those. And Lord, as a group of people, we can come together and Father, we can lift our hearts up to you in prayer. Lord, I pray for Brother Warren. Uh, Lord, I know that he's been concerned about his health lately, Father. Lord, he's been having some problems. And Lord, now today it seems that, uh, Lord, he's having even more health problems. Father, I pray, uh, Lord, even as he's on his way to the hospital, as Brother uh, Harry has taken him there to the hospital, Father, I pray that you will reach down. I pray to Lord that you'll touch Brother Warren's body. Uh, Lord, whatever it is, uh, Lord, that is giving him problems. Lord, I pray that you will bring healing. Uh, I pray to Lord that you will strengthen him and help him. Father, Lord, if it's something that needs medical treatment, if it's something, Lord, that needs to be diagnosed, Lord, I pray that when he gets there to the hospital, that, Lord, you'll give the doctors wisdom. I pray, dear Lord, that they'll be able to easily locate what it is, and, Father, they'll be able to correctly prescribe the medication that he needs, and, Father, Lord, I pray that uh, get Brother Warren, uh, Lord, back to strength and health. Father, I thank you for a church family uh, that is concerned, Lord, a group of people that uh, come together, Lord, to help one another. Father, I thank you for it. I pray dear Lord, that you will just lift him, help him, and strengthen him. Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house. And Lord, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Do remember to pray for Brother Warren throughout the service that the Lord will just touch and be with him and of course others that I'm sure need his prayer as well. I do appreciate the folks of the church, the, the men of the church, the security that helps with this thing as they were singing. I was sitting here and I seen a couple people come and then a group of people, then they went outside and so I knew something was going on uh, but it was being handled completely well and no, uh, everybody was in their place doing what they're supposed to do. And so boy, I tell you what, I appreciate the Lord for people that are willing to help out and watch out for one another. But do pray for Brother Warren. Thank you, Brother Ron, for mentioning that. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, this morning uh, we are going to start a journey into what is probably the greatest book in all of Scripture for communicating the truths concerning the gospel of salvation. Paul's epistle to the Romans has long been recognized as the clearest exposition of the gospel of salvation and the progress of sanctification in the life of the believer in all 
of the Word of God. And back at the beginning of the year, I began to think and to pray uh, what the Lord would have me to do and where He would have us to go this fall. Uh, and the Lord began to direct me to teach through the book of Romans. Now, I'll just be honest with you. There's, but the book of Romans is a wonderful book, as we will realize, but the book of Romans has got some deep stuff in it. Uh, there's some deep passages of Scripture in the book of Romans, and as I began to feel that we were to go through the book of Romans, I had a lot of other suggestions uh, that I thought would be better. You know, how about we teach on this, Lord, or how about we go this direction, Lord? And I had a lot of other suggestions and thoughts, uh, but I just felt that this is where the Lord would have us to go. And so I've been uh, looking and studying the book of Romans and praying uh, if this is where the Lord would have us to go. And I feel this is where the Lord would have us. And so for the next uh, several weeks, uh, probably the next few months, uh, we will be teaching through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings, Lord willing. Uh, there is, as I said, there is much in the book of Romans, and I really, I really don't know if it is possible. Matter of fact, I don't think it's possible to exhaust the book of Romans. There is no way that I could cover every nugget of truth that is in the book of Romans. Uh, and so I'm not going to attempt to exhaust the book of Romans. We're just going to kind of try to go through it in more of an overview manner and kind of move through the book. But at the same time, we're not going to rush through it. And so we'll be here uh, for a while looking at the book of Romans. A pastor that pastors a, a very large church, a well-known pastor, uh, taught through the book of Romans. Uh, and whenever he preached his first sermon, he told the congregation, he said, open to the first word in the book of Romans. And he, of course, the first word in the book of Romans is Paul, and his first message was on Paul and who Paul was. And that's how he introduced the book. And so it's definitely a book that has much to be learned in it. Whenever we do the Scripture assemblies, most of the time this book that we put together is the book of Romans because the book of Romans has so clearly the plan of salvation. Uh, many folks have been introduced to the gospel through what we call the Romans road to salvation, just going through the book of Romans and explaining the gospel. The book of Romans is a tremendous book, and so Lord, being our helper, we are going to dive into the book of Romans. Uh, many people have spoke highly of the book of Romans. I'll share a few uh, quotes with you. Martin Luther referred to the book of Romans as the true masterpiece uh, of the New Testament. F.B. Meyer calls Romans the greatest and richest of all apostolic works. Samuel, Samuel Coleridge calls Romans the profoundest book in existence. William Tyndale says, This epistle is the principal and most excellent part of the New Testament. Harold Wilmington describes Romans as the most profound discussion of the most profound subject. And there's many more quotes that we can look at at what people have said concerning the book of Romans. Martin Luther uh, encouraged every Christian to memorize the book of Romans. He said that every Christian ought to commit the book of Romans to memory. John Chrysostom had the book of Romans read to him twice every week. In addition to his other devotions, the book of Romans was read to him twice every week. William Tyndale stated that every Christian should both know the book of Romans and spend time in the book of Romans every single day. And so we see that many men of God, many preachers, uh, have recognized the value uh, of the book of Romans. So this morning, with the Lord's help, uh, we're going to take off and embark on a journey through 
the book of Romans. We're going to begin our study this morning with a consideration of Paul's introduction. Of course, Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. Paul was wanting to go to the church in Rome. He was wanting to visit that church. At that time, he was unable to go visit the church in Rome. So Paul wrote this letter to the church there in Rome. And so we're going to look in verse 1 down through verse number 7. Paul introduces himself and the purpose of this book. And so that is where we'll get started this morning. Romans chapter number 1, and we'll be reading verse 1 down through verse number 7. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity we have to gather together. Thank you, dear Lord, for each person that has came to your house to worship this morning. I thank you, Lord, for each one, uh, Lord, that has helped serve this morning. Lord, whether it be in directing the service and singing uh, and providing special music and helping in the sound booth or helping with the security. Lord, each person uh, that has helped make this service possible, Lord, I thank you for each and every one of them. Now, Lord, as we go into this, passage of Scripture this morning as we begin to look at this book of Romans. Father, Lord, I pray that you will open to our hearts the truth of the Word of God. I pray, dear Father, that you will make clear to us the gospel of salvation. And Father, Lord, that we will have a better understanding of the hope of the gospel. Lord, not only will it bring confidence to our heart, but Lord, we'll be able to communicate it, Lord, to those that don't know you as Savior. And Father, Lord, it will bring conviction and salvation to those that don't know you Savior. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness. Bless and be with us this morning, I pray. I ask once again that you be with Brother Warren. Lord, watch over him. Touch his body. Heal him, Father, I pray. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This is a very interesting thing to point out to you here before we dive into the passage, and that is verse 1 through verse number 7 is one sentence. That is probably the longest sentence that you will ever encounter, but verse 1 through verse number 7 is one sentence all spoken together. Here in these seven verses, the Apostle Paul uh, introduces himself. Uh, he gives a brief explanation of the gospel, and then he describes the effect of the gospel in the life of the believer. And so we're going to look at each of these three things uh, uh, briefly this morning. First, we're going to look in verse number 1 at the introduction of uh, the author. We see here in verse number 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Here in verse number 1, Paul introduces himself. He introduces who he is, how he sees himself, what he's been called to do, and what it is that he does. So we're going to take just a few moments and look at Paul's description of himself. Now I'd like to point out that the way Paul describes himself is a description that every Christian could and should be able to give about themselves. And so we're going to look. First we see in verse number 1 Paul's commitment. 
In his introduction of himself, he gives to the people what it is that he is committed to. We see here that he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. This is a personal commitment that Paul has made to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is something that Paul has decided that he is going to do. Paul has said, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am here for the purpose of serving the Lord. I believe that this commitment that Paul made is a commitment that every Christian ought to make. Every Christian ought to be able to identify themselves as John, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, whenever you are a servant of someone, you are at their beck and call. You are there to respond to them. You are there to serve them. You are there to labor for them. They are first and foremost in your life. Now this doesn't mean that Paul didn't uh, conduct himself uh, with the general affairs of life like everyone else does. Paul ate three meals a day or whatever they ate uh, in his time. Uh, uh, he ate his food every day. He went to bed. He got up. Uh, he was dressed. Uh, we know that there were times that he worked as a tent maker to support the ministry. There were many things that Paul did uh, that you would not be directly linked uh, to pro propagating the gospel. Uh, but Paul said, I am first and foremost uh, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, whatever it is that he would have me to do, I am committed that my life will be lived for the service of the Lord. I believe that every Christian ought to have this commitment that Paul has that we are committed to the service of the Lord. Second, we see in his introduction, not only is he committed to the Lord, but we see his calling. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Let me just say this morning that if you commit yourself to the service of the Lord, He will give you a job to do. If you commit yourself to serve Him, there will be an area that He will give you where you can serve the Lord. He will make it possible for you to serve Him. Now the problem is there are some times that people say, I want to be a servant of the Lord, and the Lord says, here's the job I have for you, and they say, that's not the job I want. I was talking to the school kids the other day. Uh, we were going in chapel and we were talking about the ABCs of a successful school year. And we were talking about life and things like this. And I told them, I said, opportunity is everywhere. Now there are a lot of people who are sitting at home on the couch claiming that there's no opportunity. But the problem is not that there's no opportunity. The problem is that they don't want to work. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to do that job. But opportunity is everywhere. And if you are willing, we'll just talk for a minute about the secular world in case there's someone here struggling with that. If you are willing to do the work, if you are willing to be dependable, there is opportunity everywhere. And the same is true in the work of the Lord. If you are willing to serve Him, the opportunities are endless. We listen to me 
men this past month talk about countries uh, that have no gospel witness. We listen to men talk about countries uh, that have no readable portion of Scripture. Opportunity is everywhere. Uh, there are things here at the church uh, that I have said, I need someone to fill this position and no one volunteers. Uh, there are plenty of things to do if you're willing to do it. And if you sell yourself out uh, as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, He will give you a job to do. Paul said, I am committed to the service of the Lord. And God said, I have a job for you. Paul said, I am a servant of the Lord, called to be an apostle. And then third, we see his commission. His commission. This word uh, here in verse number one, it says separated unto the gospel of God. That word separated means set apart for. Set apart for. So here is what God has commissioned Paul to do. To take the gospel to every creature. He is commissioned to take the gospel to every creature. Now I don't know if you've ever noticed this in your Bible, but that is what every Christian is commissioned to do, is to take the gospel to every creature first and foremost. So as Paul introduces himself, he tells us first his name, he tells us his commitment, he tells us of his calling, and then he tells us of his commission. In verse 2 down through verse number 4, Paul then gives a brief description of the gospel that he is commissioned to share. Now we're not going to belabor this point because as we go through the book, we will be looking at all of this in much more detail but we want to take a few minutes to look at this brief explanation that Paul gives of the gospel he has been commissioned to share. In verse number 2 it says, which, speaking of uh, the gospel of God that he mentioned in verse number 1, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. We see here as Paul gives this explanation of the gospel, he speaks of three things. First, he speaks of the promise of the gospel. He said, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets. So Paul said, I'm set apart to share the gospel. And the gospel that I am sharing is the gospel that was promised in the prophets. Now, if you'd been here Wednesday night, I'm sorry if you weren't here, if you had been here Wednesday night, we were looking at the prophecy in the Old Testament that verifies that Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah that was promised throughout all the prophets, all through the Old Testament. The Bible confirms that Jesus is without question, without doubt, the Son of God. Paul says, first of all, I want to talk to you about the promise of the gospel. In the Old Testament, it was promised that there was coming a redemption. There was coming a hope for lost mankind. There was a hope for a sinner to be able to get his sin washed away. It was promised in the prophets and that is the gospel that I'm preaching to you. Paul says, I'm not inventing something new. I'm not coming up with something that's never been talked about. Uh, you see, Paul is talking to a Jewish congregation uh, who have heavy reliance on the Old Testament prophets. Paul said, I didn't make this up. The gospel I am preaching to you, the hope of salvation I am preaching to you was promised 
all throughout the Old Testament. This gospel I'm preaching has been promised. Next, he considers the person of the gospel. In verse number 3, he said, Concerning His Son, speaking of God, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Paul says there was a gospel that was promised in the Old Testament. The person of that gospel is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the audience that Paul is talking to are very familiar with the Old Testament. They're very familiar with the Lord Jesus Christ. They know of this man, Jesus. And Paul says, what I'm wanting to break down for you here is I'm talking about the hope that was promised in the Old Testament that there would come a Messiah. There would be a Redeemer who had the capability of washing away our sins and bringing salvation. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is who He is. This gospel that I preach is I preach Jesus. You know what? There's a lot of differences in opinion. I imagine even in this room, there's a lot of differences of opinion on some of the minor aspects of Scripture. But one thing that cannot be altered is that the only hope of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way. Paul speaks of the promise of the gospel. It was promised in the Old Testament. He speaks of the person of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. He then declares the power of the gospel. He says in verse number 4, and declared, Jesus Christ, declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, next I want to tell you that this gospel that I preach, it was promised in the Old Testament. The person that brings this redemption is Jesus Christ. He said, and what he's able to do, what he brings is the ability to take a sinner and completely eradicate that old sinful man and create in them a new creature who is living for the glory of God. Paul said, I want to tell you that this gospel I'm preaching is not man-made. It's not thought up. It's not empty. It's not pointless. I'm talking to you about a gospel that has the power to change lives. Sin has been a problem since creation. For centuries, in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice the lamb to make atonement for the sin. And year after year after year, they would shed the blood of those spotless lambs to make atonement, painting a picture that one day there was coming a lamb that was going to forever take away the penalty and the punishment and the enslavement of sin was coming. And Paul said, that is the gospel I'm telling you about. Jesus Christ has come to take away the sins of the world and He is completely capable of doing what He said He would do. He said we've got two proofs of His power. First is His holiness. The sinless Son of God never, ever committed 
a single sin, 100% spotless, clean, and pure. He said, and the second proof we have is his resurrection. You may want to deny it. You may want to dodge it. You may want to pretend that it never happened. But Jesus Christ rose from the dead, showing you and I that he has power over death, hell, and the grave. And he is qualified to deliver anyone that will come to him for salvation. Paul said, this is the gospel that I preach. And then he concludes, verse 5 to verse number 7, he concludes with a description of what happens when the gospel is applied to the believer. There's a lot of things that people get involved in that people will try for a while and fall off of. Brother C, I believe it was, was talking about all the exercise machines that come through the shipping department there where he works. But if you go on Facebook Marketplace, you'll see they don't stay home long. <laughs> They buy them new, they try them out, and they ship them right back out. There's a lot of things that people will try looking for something that will change them into a better person, be it exercise or diet or some new program or some new self-motivation book, whatever it may be. But everything that man tries in man's strength will fall short. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, when applied to the life of a believer, will make a difference. We see here a description of the application to the believer. In verse number 5 it says, By whom? The Lord Jesus Christ. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to try to go through this description quickly for you. First, we find that every believer, in verse number 5, is a recipient of grace. That ought, to, that ought to stir your soul right there. Every believer is a recipient of grace. There is not a single person in this room or in the entire world that is worthy of salvation. There is not a single person that is worthy of forgiveness. Every single one of us who are believers, who are living for the Lord, who are living in a life of blessing and fellowship with Him, we are there not on our own merit, but because of the grace of an almighty God. We see that every believer is a recipient of grace by whom we have received grace. There is no salvation possible without the grace of God. There is no way that you can ever enter the gates of heaven without the grace of God. There's no way you can earn it on your own. There's no way you can talk Him into it. There's no way you can purchase it. The only way to enter into the gates of heaven is through the grace of our God. However, He promises to extend His grace to all who believe on Him. I mean, what a promise. You cannot enter heaven without His grace. But if 
You put your faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You quit relying on yourself. You put your belief wholeheartedly in Him. He promises that He will extend His grace to you. What does that mean? That means that my sin no longer keeps me out of heaven. My sin no longer causes a separation between me and my Father. My sin is no longer an issue because He has extended grace to me because I chose to believe in Him. Salvation is very simple. Salvation is simply saying I want to stop trying to figure life out on my own. I want to stop trying to earn my way to heaven through my own good works. I've recognized that there's no way that I can merit heaven on my own. Instead, I'm going to put my trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and at that moment, He extends grace on your account and you are saved, settled, eternal forever because of Him. We see that he, every believer is a recipient of grace. But then Paul points out that every believer is a recruit for the gospel. Every believer that's received the grace of God is recruited to spread the gospel. Paul, speaking of himself in verse number 5, uh, uh, says, and apostleship, uh, uh, he says, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations. Paul's saying this is what God has called me to. He has uh, uh, shown me grace uh, and he has called me to take the gospel to all nations. But then look at verse number 6. Uh, he says, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Every believer, every recipient of grace is a recruit for the spread of the gospel. I imagine that everyone in this room knows someone that doesn't know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Everyone here knows someone that's never put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Most likely everyone here knows multitudes of people that have never put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been recruited to take the gospel to those that have never put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see another effect of, of this gospel in verse number 7 that we have been reassigned through His love. We don't have time to dig into the depths of this meaning, so I hope you can grasp what's being said here. Paul says in verse number 7, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Now most of the time when you read that phrase, called to be saints, we will preach that as if you better shape up and live right. God has called you to be a saint, so shape it up, brother. And there is truth that we need to live and act and behave ourselves in a manner that is pleasing to God, in a manner that represents God. But I don't believe that's what that verse is talking about. Paul was talking about the miraculous thing that happens in our life when we are a recipient of the gospel. And here's what it is. He said, beloved of God, called to be saints. In other words, because of the love of God, you, an unworthy, dirty, good-for-nothing sinner, has been enlisted to serve as a saint of God. Now, that don't just charge you up a little bit. Because I know myself. I'm not qualified. Just be honest with yourself. I'm not qualified to serve in the army of God. 
I don't have what it takes. I've not got what, I, I can't match up. I, I'm not able to do it. I'm not qualified. But he said, I have enlisted you to be one of the saints. I have enlisted you with all your inability, with your, with your silly southern accent, with your crazy actions on the pulpit. I have enlisted you to be a saint. And that is what I have called you to be. Every one of you, because of the love of God, you are called, you are enlisted to be a saint of God. Now, if you want to come back to the way that we've applied it before, because you have been enlisted to be a saint of God, live like, look like, and act like you're part of His army. Called to be saints. We see here that we are reassigned through His love. No longer are we sinners, but now we have become saints through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The songwriter said, I was once a sinner, but I came pardon to receive from my Lord. We have been reassigned. And then finally, he ends his salutation with rejoicing in his promise. In verse number 7, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You may remember Back at the end of July, we preached a message on grace, mercy, and peace and what it means to us. What do we see here? Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We see that through the gospel, we have received the promise of peace through the grace of God. If I look at my slate, if I look back at my life, if I look at the mistakes I've made, the wrong choices I've made. I look back at my life and I understand the righteousness of God. I understand the definite eternal end of those that don't trust Christ. There's no peace in my heart because I know that if it's based on me and what I've done and what I've accomplished, when I stand before the judgment seat of God, I will be found as guilty and I will be uh, sentenced to an eternity in hell. There's no peace when you understand that in your mind. But because of the grace of God, I have the promise of peace. I can go to bed at night knowing that although I'm imperfect, although I still have a lot of room to grow, understanding that there's so much I don't understand, so many things, I can go to bed at night and lay my head down on my pillow and go to sleep in perfect peace because the grace of God sanctifies me. Paul said, I'm going to sign off my introduction with this, grace and peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who has brought us the means of salvation. And with these seven verses, Paul introduces the great book of Romans. And as we go through this book, we are going to dig into these doctrines that Paul is introducing and understand what it means to be saved and sanctified by the Messiah that was promised from the beginning of time. I don't know if you're excited about it, but I'm excited about digging into the book of Romans. I hope you'll come back next Sunday. Come back ready to listen because, boy, I'm telling you what, there is nothing that will cause rejoicing in the heart of a Christian like understanding what God has done for me. Let's all stand to our feet.
As Miss Debbie comes to the piano, perhaps there's someone here this morning that says, Pastor John, as I listen to you give this brief explanation, I don't know that I've ever put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know that there's ever been a time when I accepted Him. Pastor John, I want to know how I can know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. If the Lord has spoke to your heart as Miss Debbie plays the piano this morning, you come.